Warren Morris. It's a deep drive down the right field line. That ball is gone! LSU wins the College World Series on a home run by Morris! Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. So in this episode, I will preview the Ole Miss series. Make sure to stay tuned because I have a special guest, sort of an Ole Miss insider, if you will, that's going to join me to help break down Ole Miss. As he has seen those guys play several times in person throughout the fall, the spring, and this season as well. Also, as always, on the preview episodes, I will give you my three keys to the weekend, who makes the get right, stay right list this weekend in Oxford, and then finally, my series prediction along with the SEC rundown. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast on all major audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, comment to all the videos on the YouTube channel. And then follow me on Twitter. It is at 60FT6INLSUPod. Hit that notifications bell and interact with me throughout the games as I'm live tweeting all the time. If you missed the last episode, I reviewed the Kentucky series as the Tigers took two out of three from the top 10 ranked Wildcats. And as always, that is linked on the YouTube page. And then I usually have it pinned on my Twitter account as well in podcast form. So let's start talking about Ole Miss. So how do both of these teams stand? Where do they come in at before this series starts? At the time of this recording, LSU is still the number one ranked team in the country. And they are 29 and six on the season, nine and five in SEC play. On the flip side, The defending national champs, the Ole Miss Rebels, are 20 and 16 on the season, and they are 3 and 12 in SEC play. So, a really bad look for those guys and in Oxford this season. LSU currently has the number number three RPI in the country, with Kentucky continuing to hold down the number one spot, South Carolina at number two, and then Arkansas at number five, with some other SEC teams rounding out the top 10. In terms of SEC schedules, if you haven't followed Ole Miss very closely, you have no clue how they're doing this year, you've come to the right spot. But if you're wondering how in the hell did they get to be 3-12 and this year, let me tell you. They got swept by Vanderbilt and Florida back-to-back weekends to open up SEC play. Then they lost 2 out of 3 to Texas A&M, lost 2 out of 3 to Arkansas, and then finally they lost 2 out of 3 to Mississippi State last weekend during the Super Bulldog weekend. And if you didn't catch that scene, it was absolutely crazy in Starkville as those guys set the attendance record for the most people to see a college regular season baseball game ever. So at least they got a good stadium going for them if they have nothing else going for them in Starkville. So, all right, let's take a quick look at some of these stats for the teams. Now, look, I know sometimes I may go a little heavy on stats, but if you haven't seen Ole Miss play, You have no idea where they're coming from. You have no idea why their record is so bad. It may not be the best audio content out there, but it just gives you a primer on what you need to know heading into the Friday, Saturday, Sunday series in Oxford. So once again, for these stats, we are looking at SEC games only moving forward. In terms of hitting, LSU is still second in the conference in batting average at 292. Ole Miss is hitting 244 on the year in SEC play, which is good for 11th. Ole Miss has the third lowest slugging percentage and the lowest on-base percentage in conference play. LSU has the second highest batting average with two outs, which is at 305. Let me say that again. 
Batting average with two outs, LSU is hitting 305, and they are tied for the conference lead in two out RBIs with 47. They are tied with Vanderbilt, if you are wondering. So that's been a big focus on the pod this year, and LSU is doing a phenomenal job in terms of extending innings and driving in two out runs. When you look at the pitching side of things, both teams are very similar. When you look at their um, team ERAs in SEC games, both teams have about a six or a mid-six team ERA. Ole Miss, though, they have given up the third most hits in conference play, and they have the fourth worst batting average against in SEC games. The Ole Miss pitching staff has given up the most home runs in SEC play, and hopefully LSU can use that to their advantage this weekend in Oxford. On the flip side, LSU, their pitching staff, for some of their struggles in conference play, they have actually given up the fewest home runs in SEC games thus far. LSU doesn't run a lot, and that's unfortunate. They don't steal a lot of bags because Ole Miss has given up a ton of stolen bases. I think in the top three in terms of stolen bases against this year in conference play. And then when you look at fielding, both teams are middle in the pack. Both teams are in that 972 to 975 range. So before I introduce my special guest who's going to help me break down Ole Miss, I want to make sure I give you my three keys to the weekend. So the first key, the starting pitchers have to step up, in my opinion. Ole Miss, while they do have a 3-12 and record, they're still talented, and they still have some dudes that can absolutely swing it. You need Skeens to be the Arkansas-Tennessee version of Paul Skeens. You need Ty Floyd to begin to turn things around. He's done it in spurts, right? Against Arkansas, he settled down and threw really well. Last weekend, the third and fourth innings for him were very efficient, very good as he went six up, six down against Kentucky. But this is the point in the season, and these are the teams to do it against. The upcoming SEC series is not very strong statistically. They're all very talented teams, but statistically they're not very good. Ty Floyd needs to start to turn that corner. And then finally, Christian Little needs to build off of that last outing and focus on those good things that he made happen in the first three innings against Kentucky. You just need these guys to set the tone when you go on the road. And make no doubt about it, Ole Miss and Oxford will be an absolute hostile environment this weekend versus LSU. Those kids out in the right field corner with the beer showers are going to be going nuts. Left field behind the fence is going to be packed. And everybody's going to show up to watch Paul Skeen's pitch on Friday night. It is going to be crazy in Oxford. The second key to the weekend for LSU, if they have a chance to put the game away, the Tigers need to put their foot on their throat and finish off Ole Miss. The sense of urgency needs to be heightened this weekend on the road. Now look, just like LSU's schedule gets a lot easier from here on out, Ole Miss' schedule gets significantly easier from here on out. They have Georgia, Mizzou, Auburn, and Bama after LSU. And Ole Miss, I feel comfortable saying this, they're more talented than all those teams I just mentioned. Also, don't forget, Ole Miss used the LSU series last year as a springboard to a national championship run. After that Friday night delay, I don't know if y'all remember, the game got halted in the middle of the game. Dylan DeLuca came back. He started Friday night. He came back on Saturday and absolutely cruised. And once that happened, the rest is history. Ole Miss was off and running. So my point is, if it's 6-2 to two in the fourth inning on Saturday or Friday or whenever it is, LSU needs to find a way to keep adding on runs. Even if it's just one inning, one run here, one run there, they need to figure out a way to put some crooked numbers up on the board because the last thing you want to see happen is that it's still 6-2 to two in the seventh. 
And then Kemp Alderman, who's Ole Miss' best power hitter, he comes up, he hits a three-run jack in the seventh. Now all of a sudden it's 6-5, and that place is going nuts. And Uncle Mo has switched dugouts. That's the last thing you want to see happen with a not a very good team on the road and have them get some energy. So LSU, find a way to put these guys away when they have their opportunities. And then finally, building off that point, my third key for the weekend for LSU, let Ole Miss be Ole Miss. Let a sleeping dog lie. They are not very good, and their record reflects that. They are 3-12 and for a reason. There's no need to give them any extra motivation than they already have. There's no need. I'm a fan of talking junk. But this weekend, just like against Tennessee, don't feed into that in the other dugout. Don't give them any reason to play any harder than they already are. Keep all the emotion and the crap talking and the smack talking. Do that in your dugout. And then if you want to let loose on Sunday when a sweep is possible or you've already won the first two, then that's fine. Direct all the energy into the LSU dugout this weekend. Look, it's a business trip going up there. And if I seem a little worried about this series, I am. Because Ole Miss is going to be a tough place to play. They're really fighting for their absolute lives to get into Hoover right now just to make the SEC tournament because they're running out of opportunities. So jump on them early. Make sure you secure that Friday night victory with schemes on the mound. And then make those guys hit on Saturday and Sunday. We're going to get into some stats. You've heard some already. But my special guest is going to break those guys down. They're not great in terms of hitting, even though they have talented hitters. So my point is, they're on the decline. LSU is on the incline. Take care of business in Oxford. Punch that ticket. Win that series. Get yourself home and continue on and let those guys worry about the rest of their season. All right, guys. I told you all I had a special guest joining me on this episode of the 60 Feet 6 Inches podcast as we break down Ole Miss. And here it is. So if he looks familiar, he should be. He's joining me for the Tennessee preview. But it's uh, my special guest, Jim Cross from the In Off the Bench podcast. Jim, welcome in. As always, thank you for your time, buddy. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Anytime I get to talk with you, Chris, it's a blast. I know. <laughs> Look, we've been hanging out in person. We're on DMs. We're on text messages. So uh, we're always well, chopping I, I, up. I like, I like somebody who knows their stuff, man. Talk, talking with the casuals, as we call them, it's tough, man, because they don't <laughs> know what they're talking about. When you're talking to a, a two-time champ who actually knows baseball, it's fun. No, it's uh, and, and you, I tell you what, guys, I'm gonna let him explain it, but his podcast is unique. And I tell you what, this guy's got more inside scoop than probably anybody in the southeast. So, Jim, tell them about y'all's podcast and where they can find all your stuff. Yeah, so it's called In Off the Bench Podcast. You know, we've had 44 different teams, obviously, mainline the SEC, LSU is obviously a big team that we do. Um, our last guest was Mississippi State, our next one's Ole Miss. So, hitting the rounds, making the rounds around the SEC, getting their story. We get, you know, as uh, Chris has said before, we kind of pull back the curtain and get to see what's going on behind the scenes. So you get to know the player for more than they are on the field. And it's really cool, man. They tell us their story, how they got into baseball. A lot of them have athletic families, uh, you know, and, and it shows based upon their play and, and how they're gifted and everything. And, and, you know, they talk about the the seasons before, whether it's national championships or bad seasons, but break it down, just how they felt and why they picked the schools they did, all, all that good stuff. So it's really cool. And you can find us on any streaming platform, you know, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, um, we're on YouTube as well. Um, I, I prefer the, the audio myself, so you don't have to look at our three ugly mugs. But, you know, <laughs> whatever your, your preference is, the guests are a lot better looking, younger. 
So, but uh, no, we just, we really like to get to know the guys and it's even more fun. So then when you go to watch them um, and you know them on a personal level, it makes you root for them even more. I totally agree hundred percent. I just caught, I drive a lot for work and I got more. I was telling Jim before we started, I got more drive time ahead of me, but I caught the interview with Drew Bianco who uh, obviously played at LSU. Everybody knows his, everybody knows who he is, but it was interesting to hear his story. And I tell you what, we were talking about this before I hit record. That dude could break down some NBA. So he had some really cool stories and just good just good to hear about him and how he ended up at Houston. I love to and, hear how uh, much of a fan he still is of LSU. I mean, they, I mean, he's still he may play for Houston, but he's a tiger. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, just talking about all his friendships and the fact that he roomed with Gavin Dugas, all these little things to where you know, next time you see him on a highlight or something, you like, you know, you feel like he, you really know those guys. But uh real quick, so obviously you're LSU diehard through and through. You know, you're at as many games as you can be. You're in the fall and spring scrimmages. I know you – but why – just tell everybody, like obviously you got on LSU gear right now if people can't see you, but you're my Ole Miss guest, so you're going to break things down from an Ole Miss perspective. Just tell people, you know, where you live and just how close you are to that team. Yeah, so I'm less than an hour from Oxford. I'm an Ole Miss season ticket holder. I try to go to as many series as I can when I'm not going to uh, Baton Rouge or Starkville, you know, Typically, and so you know, I was there two weeks ago for the the Arkansas series, and then I was uh, in Starkville to watch them play Mississippi State in the Thriller this past weekend. So, just I get to see a lot of Ole Miss baseball. But I think you brought up the key point um, when I have a lot of discussions with people. Uh, you get to see a lot when you go to the fall scrimmages, the winter scrimmages, um, and get to see them as they're putting in the work to get prepared for the season. So you get a really good idea of what you're going to see coming into the season. So when you you know you have those debates about what that starting lineup going to look like and people think they know it's like you know you weren't at the scrimmages to see you know who was really putting it in the time and and having success yeah there's no doubt and that's that's why i think he's a great resource for me and for everybody here and he he just has a unique perspective on on and i old miss and i can't think of a better insider so let's get into it jim let's focus first on the pitchers and um their weekend rotation seems like it's changed a little bit and I have an idea of who may be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but why don't, why don't you talk about um, who do you think is going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe what uh, a couple of these guys bring to the table. So Jack Daughtery, the veteran, he's been the Friday night guy ever since Hunter Elliott went down. I believe he will stay, mm-hmm. uh, especially because he probably had his best outing of the season um, last Friday against uh, Mississippi State. You know, uh, I have it right here. You know, he went six innings. Only gave up two hits, one walk, uh, one earned run, striking out four. Um, but to give you an idea how he's been on the season, he's a righty, first of all, but a 5.86 ERA. So he's really struggled in that role. He was never expected to be in that role. That's Hunter Elliott's role. Um, and that's who your Saturday guy is going to be. Hunter Elliott is making his appearance. Wow. I want to say it's been six, seven weeks, uh, maybe at most. I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm highballing. It's, def- it's definitely been five to six. And so I do not know his exact pitch count, but uh, Coach Bianco has said officially that he will be the Saturday starter. Um, Hunter Elliott, obviously, last year on their run to a national championship uh, as a freshman was phenomenal. I got to watch him in his high school games at Tupelo as well. He is a uh, he's a stud. um, But you know how it is, Chris, you got to work out the kinks when you get back. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what he's got, you know, coming back. Um, I feel pretty good, you know, being that uh, you're going to obviously get into our Saturday starter, but I feel pretty good, you know, knowing that he's not the typical Hunter Elliott probably, and he's not going to go that six, seven innings that he'd normally give you. Um, 
I think – so they got two other guys that they can go with on Sunday. They haven't formally announced. But I think it's usually – JT Quinn's had a lot of success. He's the freshman righty who's 3-0. and But um, I, I think, you know, because we've struggled with lefties, I don't know that they don't go with Rivas. Um, right, yeah. You know, because uh, – and he's had an up-and-down thing, but – you know, statistically, um, you can't look over, gloss over the fact the way LSU struggled against lefties. And so I think he may get to try. I, I honestly think, um, and we'll get into obviously the, the bullpen, but I think Quinn might be your best option to be your first guy out the pen, whether it's um, if Daughtery gets in trouble or Elliot is on a super low pitch count. So I, my, I personally, if I'm, if I'm Bianco, I'm rolling out Rivas as, as the lefty on Sunday. All right. So we think. I agree with you. I think it'll be Doherty. I think it'll be Daughtery on Friday, you know, and um, that'll be interesting to see what they do with Hunter Elliott, almost like Javen Coleman, as we're recording this kind of as LSU's playing right now. I don't know if he'll be on as tight of a pitch count as Javen Coleman to where he only went one inning. You know, I don't know if Hunter Elliott's going to go two or three. And that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, if they move JT Quinn, who's been starting on Sundays, put him in relief of Hunter Elliott. That way they can come back with the transfer left-handed pitcher Xavier Rivas, who's been their Saturday guy. So that would be back-to-back lefties that they would see. So I think you're probably right. That makes a lot of sense if you're looking at it from Bianco's perspective, you know, the fact that LSU's kind of struggled with lefties and you got two guys ready to go. And, and, and if Hunter Elliott is, you know, you know, at least uh, to a degree of what he normally is, I, and, you know, like we said, not on the pitch count, I'm thinking because, you, you, like you said, I don't think he's a one – you're not starting him on a Saturday if he's only a one inning. I, I'm going to guess that yeah. he's somewhere between – a 40 and 60 pitch count and okay. you know Bianco's probably looking to get you know three innings hopefully maybe four if you if things go really well um I just watched it with Mississippi State they did it with uh with Cade Smith he was on a 60 uh pitch count he actually went 68 they uh, they let him finish out uh the inning and so um I feel something similar to that you know but you know it's all gonna be based they're gonna talk to him see how he feels obviously you know and um it's always interesting when that guy comes back off an injury you just don't know what to expect yeah, and I would imagine, too, the other side of things, Ryder's teammates are probably pumped. So it's uh, an almost team that's struggling, that's 3-12 and in conference play. And I'll be honest, this this series worries me a little bit just because of how raucous it could be up there, the number one team in the country. And if if they get that kind of Hunter Elliott bump, you know, everybody in the dugout gets pumped. He goes out there, say he throws three scoreless, and it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You know, it's one of those things where you know how it is in college dugouts when Uncle Mo jumps on your side. You know, it uh, that could kind of carry them. Yeah, and uh, and I don't want I don't want to spoil it because we're going to do key factors to winning, but that crowd's going to be a part of what I talk about to, to solidify your point. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. So let's move on to the bullpen. And and I was looking through some of their arms, and man, you know they got a uh, they got four or five guys, but they have guys with a ton of appearances. You know, and yeah, and the good Mitch, thing I think for yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Mitch Morell is yeah, he's your senior. He's been around a long time. Um, he to me is the guy that I trust the most. If I'm Ole Miss, um, you know, he's got, uh, I got it right here. I had it right here. Uh, oh, there it is. Anyway, he's, uh, he's got 18 appearances on the season, you know, uh, 4.18 ERA. But, uh, this past weekend, he even threw two different games, four and a third combined, got their only win. Um, he has by far been their most solid guy. He's usually the, the, the go-to guy. And, you know, you expect that from a senior leader. And so he's the one, um, you also have Mason Nichols. He's a guy who, for the stretch run in Omaha last year, he was a freshman. He's sophomore now. Got some more time on his belt. He did just have a really bad midweek uh, 
game against Memphis where he was closing it, um, gave up three solo shots. Um, I don't expect oh, wow. that to be something he does again. He's probably um, looking to get some um, get back and, and get back right, you know. So he's a guy. And then a guy who is very up and down, but I have seen him at his best, Chris, um, big righty, Sam Tookian. If he if if he gets rolling, he he's a guy that can absolutely you know control the end of a game. The problem is it's kind of similar to some of our guys in bullpen. It's about he walks a lot of guys. You know he's got that thirty two k to nineteen walks. He's got some hit batters in there, um, so command issues, and that's that's the whole key. So I mean he's one of those guys that's Jekyll and Hyde, right? Um, lacks consistency, but if you get yeah. the good side of him uh, for as an Ole Miss fan. Um, it's a good thing. Yeah, I actually watched him. Um, I tuned into that game too, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and took in. He struggled and he gave it up at the end. You know, he just couldn't find the strike zone. It almost felt like I was watching LSU's bullpen at uh, certain points of the season. And he wasn't missing bad. It's one of those things as a pitcher, right? You're missing like two inches up, two inches down, two inches left to right, and Mississippi State just sat up there and let him throw balls until eventually. Dakota Jordan hit that uh, game winning hit off of him, and, and, and you know, and you say that. And then the week before, I watch him, and he was the guy against Arkansas who came in and was Mister Reliable. So I mean, it's yeah. all about, and that's with a lot of these guys, right? It's it's consistency. You, you'd like to see it, you know, on a every week basis. Unfortunately, a lot of these guys are, are back and forth, and so um, the question is, do they get the good version? But I'd say definitely the the most trustworthy guy though is Mitch Morrell, undoubtedly. Um, the one thing I will say, you know, we talked about the the righty lefty thing. They don't. Have have a lot of lefties coming out of the bullpen, especially ones in which that uh, LSU should fear at all. So that that's the good news. If you do knock those lefties off the mound, um, they more than likely should be getting to the righty. So when it comes to that lefty righty uh, splits, um, I'm not really too nervous. Uh, you know, outside of really Rivas. Yeah, yeah, and he's. And it was interesting when I did the preview podcast. I didn't know. You know, he came from Division Two Indianapolis, I think, and he had really good stats. You just don't ever know you know, how those transfers are going to show up. But switching to the hitters, you know, speaking of transfers, they had some – they have really good hitters. And before we started our segment, you know, on on the podcast, I talked about the keys to LSU's victory, and I went over some of the SEC stats. And just surprisingly, Ole Miss just can't hit in the SEC when you look at their SEC splits only. They just – their batting average is, is one of the worst in the conference. Look, I heard the, I heard the best joke this weekend, Chris. What you, you know, got? What you got? Peyton Chatagnier, who's been in the SEC maybe longer than Cade Veloso, um, <laughs> they said his batting average in the SEC couldn't uh, couldn't fail a breathalyzer test. And I, I looked it up after, and he was batting three eighty seven coming into SEC play. He's batting two thirty eight now. So. Um, to give you an idea, that's that's kind of a, it's a funny joke. It's kind of a realistic joke. Yeah, no, it's uh, let's talk about you know Jacob Gonzalez. Obviously, Kemp Alderman are back, and I circled those two guys. But uh, talk about those guys, and maybe two or three other hitters. You know, I know you could break down the whole lineup, obviously, but just three or four, maybe five guys that these LSU fans need to be on the lookout for because they're going to see three and twelve and just assume Ole Miss is bad. But they got some guys that can bang it around the park. Yeah, no, Gonzalez is is a projected top ten pick for a reason. Offensively, defensively, he's a monster. Um, he is the one that hit the bomb that that won their loan game against Arkansas. He is the one that hit the bomb in their loan game that they beat Mississippi State. Uh, he's definitely Mr. Reliable. Um, and so they actually switched up the lineup this last week. We'll see how it happens. He was batting in the two-hole behind Groff. They have him at the leadoff currently this past week. We'll see um, how they go about that. 
Um, you know, Alderman, as you said, right now he's he's the scariest guy in the lineup. Um, yeah. uh, for for Gonzalez, he's batting three forty eight with thirty seven RBIs. Alderman's batting three fifty five. He's got fifteen bombs and fifty one RBIs. Um, that dude can hit absolute scuds. And then um, just on those top four, because outside of those front four, there's nobody that I'm really worried about. Um, Groff's batting 341 with 37 RBIs, and Harris is batting 366 with 28 RBIs. So those front four. A guy who can get hot, though, and I want to bring him up specifically because of the ties to LSU and a guy who's a, a dear friend of ours. Um, Ethan Leger is from down there. He played at Delga- Delgado Community College with Braden Jobert. They were roommates. They were best friends. Um, you know, Jacquez was his uh, his mentor. And, uh, and so, you know, he's a guy who, you know, is really talented. He's struggled a little bit since he's got to Ole Miss. He, he hasn't really put it together the way he's wanted to. But I have seen his potential and having Braden himself – tell me about his potential and you know how much we love Braden and his dad and, and their insight. Um, he's a guy that I definitely, you know, if he can turn it on, he's somebody that I would worry about, but it's mainly those front four. Yeah, no doubt. And also Eddie Furness's son, LSU great has his number retired. His son, Will is a freshman who's going to DH. I would imagine uh, he's been DHing for Ole Miss. Too, he, he's know? actually the guy that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have DH and, um, you know, oh, really? we talk about these winter scrimmages and these fall scrimmages, um, you know, Malone, Taiwan Malone, who's also on the Ole Miss yeah. football team, the big guy. I know you saw my videos. The dude was hitting yeah. bomb after bomb after bomb. And he hasn't even gotten a chance. I think he's got nine ABs on the season mm-hmm. in, in midweek games. And so he's a guy that I would give a chance to. And you talked about getting the atmosphere into it, man. If that dude hits one out, um, everybody's going to feel it in the, and the energy is going to be electric. And I was just talking about the shot and thing. Um, you know, Garrett Wood, the captain of the team who doesn't even get much run is a better defensive player than, uh, Shania is the second base in my personal opinion. And a guy who's feening, you know, foaming at the mouth to, to, to play. And so, I, I mean, I, if I was Bianco, I would shake things up, especially with the way five through nine are batting and get a couple of those guys in. But, you know, us as LSU guys, if he just wants to keep rolling with the way it's not working, I won't be <laughs> No, I hear you. And it's, and it's definitely, you know, for all those people out there that haven't seen Ole Miss play, you should recognize some of the names. But as, as an ex-pitcher, when I look at this lineup, I'm highlighting Gonzalez, Alderman, and Groff. I just cannot let those guys beat me this weekend. If anybody else beats me, you're going to tip your hat. You know, you're going to walk off the field. You're going to take your medicine. But you just got to do anything you can because those guys can obviously get that crowd into a frenzy. They can all hit home runs. And I mean, I'll put it to you this way. This is yeah. how I feel about Gonzalez. So in, in the game three of the series against Arkansas, um, Gage Wood has two outs. There's there's two men on, and Gonzalez is on deck. They're, you know, they're at the bottom of the order. And I literally looked at my Arkansas friend next to me and I said, if y'all don't get this out and Gonzalez comes up, he's walking it off on you. That's how I, that's how I felt because Gonzalez is yeah. that dude. And so luckily yeah. he got the out. They didn't have to deal with Gonzalez. So, yeah, him and Alderman will make you pay in a heartbeat. No doubt. No doubt. So let's get into some questions and some keys. But I just got – I do have one question for you, though. You know, I'm sure a lot of people know Ole Miss defending national champ. But when I say 3-12 and 12 in the SEC, if they've just been focused on LSU and they're not keeping up with the rest of the conference. And I've watched highlights. I watch as many highlights as I possibly can. But, what, man, what, what is the reason why they are struggling so bad this year? Is it a combination of things or are they just maybe a little overrated, a little overhyped coming into the season? 
they were overrated and overhyped, and you saw me. I, I attacked every major uh, ranking system, had them in the top yeah. five. Um, they got ranked there because they were the national champion. I don't really ever understand ranking the previous national champion. They lost so much talent and so much leadership, and God. then – before the season, they have Mallets, who's probably going to easily be their most reliable guy out of the bullpen, um, have Tommy John. And then you lose Hunter Elliott, you know, mm-hmm. only a couple weeks into the season. And this is after you've lost the Elkos, the Benches, the Grams, and the Hayden Dunhurst of the world, right? Delucia yeah. off the mound, the guy who gave LSU trouble last year. So you lose so much star power, and then, you know, you're hoping that guys will come in transfer in they haven't you know met the expectations and then you have injuries to the pitching staff and um it's just you know it's not been what it's supposed to be and like we said you know outside of those those front guys but you know that pitching staff um you know it's it's hard to win games when you don't even have a guy in your weekend rotation that anybody fears right like we have that guy and Paul Skeens right um, and we know what Ty Floyd is capable of, but like they they don't have that. Like you're, there's nothing right. like LSU is is foaming at the mouth when when you look at these numbers and these ERAs on these starters. There's no doubt, yeah. And and for the people at home, you know, we talked about Doherty and Rivas and Quinn, but all their ERAs, you know, I got the numbers right here. All their ERAs they were five. You know what I mean? So even the totality of the games, not just focusing on SEC games, but even in their non-conference, and they played some good non-conference teams, but they still. You know, they get hit around, and obviously LSU is one of the best teams in the country when it comes to offense. But So what do you think, you know, if, from an Ole Miss perspective, what do they need to do to take two out of three? You know, kind of one of your keys, you know, to the weekend for these guys. So let's start with what you were talking about, about the, the raucous crowd and everything. Yeah. So the tickets, you know, I pay attention. They're more expensive than any game this season. Everybody is going to be there. They did it. They tried to do it last year for uh, Tennessee. Um, they they want every bit of this LSU series. They consider us a major rival, even though um, you know I don't think it's our you know our biggest rival by no means. But they kind of try to you know see us that way, and so they're going to look to pack that thing out. They're going to look to be electric. And Swayze is a place that's rocking. Eleven thousand people um, when it gets full. The uh, the student section is absolutely mm-hmm. electric. You know, the beer showers are, are awesome. And so um, it's going to be about keeping that crowd engaged. And the reason why I bring up last year is that crowd was absolutely packed and engaged in Tennessee within the first four innings, put up 10 runs and people were hitting the exits. And so the key for them is to get the quality starts from their pitchers. And you even mentioned it with the Elliott thing. That's why I said I wanted to bring it back around. Is, is for those guys to not get beat up on early and keep that crowd absolutely hyped and engaged to where it is that hard atmosphere for these guys to play in. Because I'll be honest with you, when it comes to Ole Miss, um, it is rated number one as the uh, party uh, college town in America for a reason. There are bars galore, Chris, and if Ole Miss isn't going to play good, um, they're going to leave and go hit an amazing bar <laughs> and, and get some drinks and have some food. So you got to keep them there. you got to keep them locked in, and that's going to start with getting quality starts from those pitchers and keeping them those uh, fans there. Yeah, and, and Jim doesn't know this because we're, we're recording this, but I kind of recorded my part previous to this, and my keys to the weekend for LSU were just – the opposite of what you just said for Ole Miss. My keys are the starters for LSU's got to get off to a quality start. They got to limit that crowd. And then one of my other keys is when LSU has a chance to put these dudes away. So the example I gave it, if it's six to two in the fourth, LSU's up, they got to find ways to keep scoring. Cause if it's six to two in the seventh and Alderman hits a three run Jack and now it's six, five, that place is going to go bananas. And then you're just in a mess, right? You're in a dog fight. You're in a place you don't want to be. 
So that was – it's funny that you said that for Ole Miss. That's their key. Well, that was my key for LSU into beating Ole Miss to, to, to limit those things. And, I, and I'll say the one thing that they do well that, that we're not doing well at LSU is uh, defensively they're really good, especially their middle infield, their outfield. Uh, you know, McCann's is making um, big-time catches at the wall. Um, so – same with Kemp. So, you know, defensively, they're good. It's just about their, their pitchers not giving up the, you know, the, the home runs and the walks, you know, you know, we know about that, but um, yeah. And, and the other key is it's somebody else has got to step up. Like I said, it's got to be Kalarka. Who's, you know, the big transfer that came in. It's got to be Leger. It's got to be McCants, whose name I just mentioned. I mean, he was big time last year for them in Omaha. Yeah. He was a, he was a guy who was, you know, at one time thought to be drafted last year, didn't, came back. So it's like, all right, man, it's awesome. We're getting McCants back. And he's went from batting in the five hole to start the season to batting in the nine hole. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, that's how rough it's been. And so he's a guy that if, if they're going to have a chance, he's got to get involved. And, and what LSU can't do, which is a problem of ours, so I bring it up, um, that Mississippi State did uh, a couple times specifically in the, in the loss you can't walk. They walk. You know, we talked about Shania. They walked him twice. They walked McCants multiple times. Like you can't be walking the eight nine guys and getting back around to that front four that we were talking about. No, I totally agree. It's um, it's a problem with LSU. It's a problem, really. You see a lot of bullpens this year just struggling with the free passes, and uh, it's kind of something else I highlighted on the podcast previous to me and you talking. All right, we're wrapping up here with Jim Cross from the In Off the Bench podcast. He is our resident Ole Miss expert, but diehard LSU fan, as he lives up in that way. But I can't let Jim get out of here without a serious prediction from him. So what you got, Jim? What do you uh, think is going to happen this weekend in Oxford? All right, so let me tell you, Chris. I traveled to Baton Rouge last year for the Ole Miss series. That was when they turned the corner. Um, yep. They obviously, outside of the Dylan Cruz home run that Friday night, there was not a good thing about that series. Ole Miss absolutely uh, you know, took us to the woodshed. And then the last game that they played in Swayze, they uh, LSU blew a nine to one lead with a Kemp Alderman walk off. So I say that to say these veterans, and I've talked to them. You know, we interview them. This is a series that they absolutely have circled. They're not just looking to come in here and win. They're looking to come in here and mash their face in because um, they remember that nine one uh, get you know, game. And then they obviously remember how they came down there and spoiled the party in Baton Rouge. So I'm expecting a sweep and I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I'm expecting it to get ugly. I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Ugly on the LSU side. You got your LSU now. LSU. Okay. Well, everybody else is going to stay tuned for my prediction after this, because that's what's coming up next here on the podcast, but a sweep. Okay. A sweep, a sweep. I I like it. I mean, you, you look at it like, I mean, I just told you, you know, about how Arkansas handled them. We, you know, obviously we've had some struggles since Arkansas, but we, we beat Arkansas and then, you know, Mississippi state, you know, for they're playing better baseball, but they're not that great of a team and they handled Ole Miss. And so I look at our lineup and I just look at their pitching and Chris, I just don't see it. Even with our struggles, I just don't see it. Even if we give up some runs, um, I just think we're going to put it on them. Um, I'm, I'm expecting double digit spots game after game. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a biased LSU fan and I'm, you know, I know I'm supposed to be the old Miss guy in this one, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to be real. I've, I've watched, I've watched this team in four different series this year. I've been there for four different series. Um, I'm just, uh, honestly, them in Alabama to me and Auburn are just three teams that can't compete with the rest of the West. Not here, man. And for those who aren't watching, look, he's got his purple and gold on. He's got his hat on. He's got a shirt on, but he's breaking it down for the rebels. And, uh, 
Jim, man, I appreciate your time. Just a ton of great insight. Look, I can watch as many highlights as I want and break it down. But for somebody that lives up there, that's a season ticket holder that saw him in the fall and the spring, great job, my man. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time, buddy. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, there you go. You heard it here first, Jim's prediction. Hopefully that doesn't get him into too much trouble with his friends up there in Oxford. Obviously, as you know, he lives in the region. But if you don't know, if you couldn't tell, Jim absolutely bleeds purple and gold. He's an enormous LSU fan, but I really thank him for his time and for him giving his insight into Ole Miss. Obviously, if you don't follow him and the In Off the Bench podcast, I will tag Jim and their account um, in the Twitter feed. So you can make sure to subscribe to their podcast and check out all of their great content. So let's get into the get right, stay right list before I give you my series prediction as we start to wrap up here on the 60 feet, six inches LSU podcast. Get right. You're going to notice a theme here. I mentioned it in my keys for the weekend. Get right is pitcher centric. Christian Little, last outing, three and a third, no hits, one run, one earned, three walks, one K. So let's just have Little build off of that last outing, and hopefully he can get a chance to go into the fourth or even the fifth and just continue to stack up good outings and good outings like you've seen uh, Collins do as he started to turn the corner. Little has a 179 batting average to Ghent, so that's phenomenal. He just gets hurt with the free passes. So Christian Little, get right this weekend, baby. Also on the list, now you may think this is blasphemy, LSU fans, Paul Skeens, I need you to get right, and this is what I mean. Your last two outings, South Carolina and Kentucky, nine innings pitched, nine hits, eight runs, six earned, one walk, 21 Ks. That last stat's disgusting. And I know I'm probably nitpicking a little bit, and it's a small sample size. And obviously, Lightning cut the South Carolina outing short. But when you look at those last two outings, that is 37, excuse me, 33% of the hits he's given up on the year occurred against South Carolina and Kentucky. That is 66% of the runs he has given up for the whole year. 60% of the earned runs that Skeens has given up for the whole year occurred in those last nine innings pitched. So Skeens, my man, I just need you to go out there and dominate. Everybody's going to be there to watch you pitch. Let's get that fastball down in the zone again. We know you're going to have the velo, but Skeens, need you to get right. Look, we know you lead the country in strikeouts, and those numbers are disgusting, but I wouldn't mind seeing a few more change-ups against lefties, get that two-seamer back. The slider's been phenomenal, but I have a feeling Paul Skeens is going to get back to that Arkansas and Tennessee form, and he is going to get right. And then finally, staying with the pitcher theme, Ty Floyd. Look, Ty, I believe in you, buddy. You have absolutely filthy stuff. We saw great things from you in the third and fourth inning versus Kentucky. And now this weekend in Oxford, another chance to continue to improve and move that bar further along. Check these out. These numbers were given to me by my guy, Stephen Miller. He's a frequent guest here on the pod. By my calculations, Floyd has a 6.04 ERA in SEC play. He has given up 20 free passes. So a combination of walks and hit by pitch, he is just letting teams uh, do damage when they haven't really earned the right to do so because Ty Floyd has a batting average against of 181. So, Stephen, thank you for those stats, my man. I appreciate the hard work. But as you can see, Floyd's not getting hit around all over the park. He's giving up free passes. So a hit by pitch, a hit by pitch. So it's first and second. Now a single scores a run, and all of a sudden these things start to snowball against him. If he can eliminate the free passes and make Ole Miss sit up there and hit him, his stuff is plenty of good enough to get into the sixth inning against the Rebels. 
And if you remember hearing me and Doug Thompson talk about Floyd on the Kentucky Review podcast, his stuff is great. And he's actually getting away with things because his stuff is so good. So I would love to see Ty Floyd get right this weekend on the road versus the Ole Miss Rebels. Stay right. Bryce Collins, another pitcher. He came up huge on Saturday, securing the win versus Kentucky, throwing up zeros in the eighth and ninth inning. And I think Collins is almost all the way back. I'm going to give him 90% back into his 2022 form. I have a feeling, once again, Bryce Collins is going to play a big factor again this weekend as LSU is dealing with, as we all know, a very thin bullpen at this point in time. Credit to my man, Jason Armstrong, on Twitter. He's always putting out the good content. Jason, thank you for this stat. Collins, in his last six outings, he has given up one hit, which is massive. So it shows he's really turning the corner. But also, in those last six outings, six walks, 13 strikeouts. So if he can get those walks down just a little bit to where maybe it's um, three walks and 13 Ks, once he gets those free passes down and makes teams truly hit to beat him, Collins is going to be all the way back to 2022 form, in my opinion and a key cog in the bullpen moving forward. Bryce Collins, you stay right. Tommy Tanks needs you to stay right this weekend. You were just named SEC Player of the Week. You are the nation's co-leader in RBIs, and you saw what he can do when opposing teams try and steer clear of Dylan Cruz. He made Kentucky pay, and I have a feeling Coach Mike Bianco is going to make Tanks prove it again this weekend in Oxford. They're going to steer clear of Dylan Cruz. Get these stats. On the year. Tommy White is hitting 366. He leads LSU in doubles with 14. He leads LSU in home runs with 12. He leads LSU in RBIs with 62. The dude has been absolutely phenomenal. He has nine walks and only 14 strikeouts on the year. Last week, he hit 389 in the four games that LSU played with one home run and 11 RBIs. He hit 385 in the Kentucky series. He provided the game-winning RBI in each of LSU's victories last week. Tommy Tanks. I can't wait to put out some more Twitter graphics. Hit some more bombs this weekend. Tanks, stay right. And then finally, Joe Bear. Braden Joe Bear, baby. Defensively, I know people are still going to have some questions about him, but make no doubt about it. This past weekend against Kentucky, Joe Bear was massive with the grand slam and some big hits. I thought he had a huge weekend, and I can't wait to see that continue. On the year, Joe Bear is hitting 305 with six home runs, 22 RBIs, 11 walks, and 23 Ks. And by my calculations, and look, people called me out. I got the Skeens strikeout thing wrong last week. Look, typos happen. I hit a wrong button on the calculator. It happens. But I believe Joe Bear in SEC play is hitting 344. So I need my guy. Braden Jobert, he's going to have to deal with a lot this weekend in Oxford playing right field, and it's just all those students right there with their coolers, and they're going to pack out right field. Jobert, focus on that game, brother. Rake a little bit more this weekend, make some plays in the outfield, and Jobert, you stay right. All right, we've come to the end here at the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod. What is my series prediction? So I'm going to pick the Tigers to take two out of three on the road this weekend in Oxford. I've picked a sweep two times this year, and I've gotten burned both times. Now look, it's really hard to sweep in the SEC, especially on the road. And while Ole Miss is struggling, that place is going to be packed. As I've mentioned several times, everybody wants to take it to the number one team in the country, your LSU Tigers. 
but I feel confident as LSU continues to take care of business in the SEC. And yes, I do think this weekend will follow similar patterns that we have seen with Kentucky and South Carolina and Tennessee to where there are going to be some close games and the Tigers are probably going to have to show some grit and determination to come back and win one or two of those games in Oxford. I think Saturday and Sunday had the potential to be very tight until the end, and they could also erupt into some type of a slugfest because we know LSU can hit. And Ole Miss's hitting stats aren't great in the SEC, but they got those four or five dudes like Jim and I talked about that can really rake, and we don't want to get have those guys get going this weekend. Obviously, some of the starters in the bullpen area continue to struggle for both staffs when you look at their team ERAs, both in the sixes in SEC conference play. But I think LSU just finds a way to get it done as they have all year. So Tigers, take two out of three on the road, baby. Let's come home, take care of business, and get ready to ramp it up and just get on a massive winning streak as we head into a home SEC series following the Ole Miss series victory. So that's going to do it for this week's review of the LSU game as they get ready to take on uh, take that trip to Oxford to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. I want to thank Jim from the In Off the Bench podcast for his time and helping me break down everything that's going on in Ole Miss land and what's going wrong with that team this year and what he looks forward to this weekend as LSU travels up there to take on those guys. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, if you don't subscribe to the podcast, please do so. Those guys put out great t- content, especially if we want to get a peek behind the scenes at some of these baseball players or other athletes like softball players or gymnasts. And it's not just SEC players. Those guys interview some of the best college baseball players in the nation. So it's really cool to have these guys let their guard down, relax, and give you some uh, inside information as Jim and those guys dive deep into their background and what's going on uh, at their current school and how their season is currently going. So just remember, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter. And until next time, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.